right, we are back with another episode of From Her Point of View. And today we have Dr. Melissa Thomas, who was formerly the over curriculum for Mm -hmm. the Tupelo Public School District, but now will be the new Tupelo High School principal as of July 1st. That's correct. Welcome. We're so excited that you're here today. Thank you. really excited for your new position Mm -hmm. and we were just talking about women in education and you know how many times as a little kid do you hear the word principal and you think of this big powerful man that's you know ruling your school but that's obviously not the case for you which Mm -hmm. I think is pretty incredible so what kind of what are your expectations I guess going into this new school year over the largest high school in Mississippi Well, um, I think my expectations are going to be similar to what has been in the past. We do strive for excellence at Tupelo. We have an expectation of wanting to be one of the largest and best high schools in the state of Mississippi. So we have very high expectations going in, and I'm, I'm excited about the opportunity to serve as the principal at the high school. And you are a native of Lee County. Mm -hmm. And can you tell us a little bit about your, you know, growing up, where you grew up, and kind of what got you to this point? Sure. I grew up in Shannon, Mississippi, Poplar Springs community. Um, And because it's Monroe County, I ended up going to school in Nettleton. Uh, Spent my entire early elementary, elementary, middle school, and high school um, career at Nettleton and graduated from there. My entire family did. So um, had a really good experience going through um, school right. at the, in the Nelton School District. Had some really exceptional teachers, some good community members who poured into us as, as students. And it is because of them that I decided that if the Lord would help me get to college and complete my degree, that I would go back and become a teacher and hopefully help some students in the same manner that my teachers helped me. So that's kind of how I got into education. I knew when I left high school that I was going to be a teacher. Right. And mm-hmm. you, went to, you said you went to ITC? I did. I went to Itawamba Community College um, right out of high school on a basketball and a softball scholarship. I played for Coach Carrie Ball Williamson, who um, has for a long time been the athletic director there. Um, had a really good opportunity there, met some really good people. She was a great role model and very influential in um, my career, my academic career. So when I left Itawamba, I transferred there and went to Ole Miss. Awesome. And you <laughs> ended up getting your bachelor's at Ole Miss, and then eventually you ended up getting your Ph.D. at Ole Miss. Oh, Brooke, I loved, I loved Oxford so much that it was so hard for me to leave. I did complete my bachelor's there, um, started my master's program there, ended up um, stopping it and doing it online through the University of Phoenix at the time so that I could help care for my um, elderly grandfather. And so then um, when the time came for me to go back and get my specialist, I did return back to Ole Miss and there finished the specialist and the philosophy, um, the Ph.D. program there. Wow. Mm -hmm. So you've been through a lot of schooling. A lot of schooling. (laughs) And then now you're back with schooling. (laughs) That's right. um, My father did the same thing. He Mm -hmm. was a public educator, basketball coach, and then ended up getting his PhD and Mm -hmm. watched him go through that in his 50s. Oh, wow. So it was Mm -hmm. quite an interesting process, but 
you obviously are extremely qualified for this job. And can you tell us a little bit about how you got involved in the Tupelo public school system, mm-hmm. what your first role was and, and right. from then until now? Well, I originally started out my first year in my teaching career at, in Tate County at Coldwater uh, Middle School and then was offered an opportunity to come back home and teach at my alma mater at Nettleton. So I spent 10 years at Nettleton. I spent coaching, teaching, um, also got into administration at Nettleton. I served as a curriculum director. Um, I also served as the middle school principal and the high school principal at Nettleton. Um, even though I was working in Nettleton, my husband and I uh, lived here in Tupelo and kind of wanted to, we had a, a our first daughter at the time, and I kind of wanted to be embedded in the same community in which we lived. So, um, I had an opportunity to come and enter the Tupelo Public School District system as an assistant principal at the high school. So that was my first encounter here at Tupelo. Um, I spent one year there and was then promoted to principal at Lawndale. Um, Enjoyed my time there. And then for the last three years have been doing a secondary curriculum at the central office. Awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. So you are, you're very experienced with high school students. <laughs> I know for, for many educators, that's daunting mm-hmm. um, to think about taking on high school students. But mm-hmm. uh, I'm so excited for you to be at Tupelo. And we were just talking about how amazing Tupelo High School is, mm-hmm. how many different opportunities it offers students. Yeah. And so I guess one question I have for you is, you know, what is your goal for Tupelo High School? What do you, as Dr. Thomas, mm-hmm. want to bring to the school? I think one of the things that I really want to make sure we highlight and focus on is that at Tupelo High School, there is something for everyone. Every every student that steps foot on our campus, we want them to excel, not only academically, but four years of high school is a time to branch out socially. It's a time to build some of those key relationships and friendships that will go with you um, forever. Uh, It's a time to develop and mature. So we want to not only focus on academics, but we want kids to enjoy these four years. We want them to leave with more than just um, a curriculum and the things that they learned in the classroom. We want to build the whole child. Uh, One thing I am excited about at Tupelo High School is that we offer so much um, in regards to um, arts and extracurricular athletics, and not only those, but the curriculum that we teach in the classroom is is above any so I really want to just continue what we're doing and push it forward so that our students can have the best um, that we have to offer for them going into the future right and I know a little bit earlier we mentioned you know as a woman in this role Mm -hmm. it is first of all it's really cool to see and especially this is the largest high school in Mississippi right and to have a woman at the helm of that mm-hmm. is incredible. But still to this day, I think there's kind of this idea that principals or administrators are typically men mm-hmm. and the teachers are women, which mm-hmm. we know is not always true. And, right. you know, there's a, di- there's a very diverse selection of right. educators, whether that's teachers to principals mm-hmm. and superintendents. But statistically, I always like to pull up some statistics. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it says I'm looking at um, a website ncs.ed.gov, so mm-hmm. we know it's legit. Mm-hmm. And it says that the percentage of public school principals 
uh, in, I think it's 2017, 2018, so a few years ago, was 54%, which is pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. But still, that's only a little over half. Right. But, you know, we're happy to take that half. But only 20 years ago, it was mm-hmm. only 44%. Mm-hmm. So it seems like in the past 20 years, really, mm-hmm. we've seen women kind of climb to those new heights and, right. I guess, have those opportunities to lead. Yeah. And I think you're right, Brooke. I think the expectation of building level leadership has somewhat shifted. So um, when we were younger, principals were mostly male. A lot of them were coaches. And the expectation was, you know, they maintained order in the school. They kept everyone safe um, and just maintained the building. Well, that has kind of shifted now. And not only are we responsible for safety and security of all students, but we're more instructional leaders. Um, We have expectations to be able to go in and Um, help teachers grow instructionally, um, to help teachers build on their curriculum, to help them not only have good classroom management, but also have a diverse um, set of skills so that they can provide instruction in an engaging manner so that they can incorporate technology and and, um, cooperative learning strategies. Well, in order to be able to do that, you have to be an instructional leader yourself. So I think the days of principals walking around and and toting all the keys and making sure that the building is up and running and the bells are ringing – I think those things, those days are gone. Now it is very important that your principal have the ability to know what instruct good instruction looks like and to be able to help teachers grow and become more effective. Right. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like there are any additional challenges that women may face in those roles? Maybe for maybe just even public perception, you know, with Mm -hmm. us kind of thinking growing up, like you said, that men should be in this role. Maybe that's not a conscious decision that we make, but it's something subconscious. So do you think that women have extra challenges when it comes to leading a school in that way? I think so. And I've been in situations before where um, there have been a few challenges to overcome at the simple fact that there are a lot of meetings that I go to and I am the only female in the room or sometimes I am the only minority in the room. But I think um, I appreciate the fact that in this area and in Tupelo that um, it's been well received. It's more so about your qualifications and your skills and your ability to provide the school with what it needs to continue to grow more than your Uh, background, your religion, your gender, or your creed. So I appreciate the fact that I'm in an area where it's acceptable for a woman to lead the largest high school in the state of Mississippi and to know that we're able to do so because you've, um, they know what, what I've done in the past. Right. And I have a reputation of being able and qualified to do this job. So the Mm -hmm. support has been amazing. It's been amazing. And that's one unique thing that I'm not originally from Tupelo, Mm -hmm. but one thing I've noticed about Tupelo and this area is you can come from anywhere, Mm -hmm. any part, you know, any part of the state, any part of the country or Mm -hmm. any part of the world. And you really do have that opportunity to make your own way. Sure. There are challenges, of course, Mm -hmm. as there are anywhere, but it's such a unique area where there's so much diversity and there's so many different types of people Mm -hmm. with different skill sets who come and they're Mm -hmm. successful and it's just a welcoming environment Mm -hmm. and and I'm so excited to see that that doesn't just stop with the community that goes on beyond to the schools 
which is really the most important because those mm-hmm. are we're we're getting these children ready to do the same thing. That's right. Hopefully, as they continue to grow. Mm-hmm. But what do you think? I think on the flip side of that question that I asked a few minutes mm-hmm. ago, what are the advantages of having a woman in this leadership role? Well, um, I can speak for myself. I do feel like some of my strengths are building good relationships, um, having great communication skills. Um, I do have uh, an energy about myself that I hope transfers to other people. Um, I feel like not only am I able to um, run the high school and maintain discipline and order and make sure that our policies and our procedures are followed and raise the expectation level for teachers and students, But I also feel like I have a level of compassion and concern where I can um, have conversations, tough conversations with teachers, students, parents alike, that um, I can sympathize and um, understand what they're going through so that I can provide some help. Um, That doesn't mean always that things are going to go smoothly and and conversations are not going to be tough. There will be some difficult conversations, but I do believe that um, in large part, I'm ready to handle those, not necessarily because I'm a woman, but I have that aspect. But it gives you an edge. It does. (laughs) It does. It does. I think, you know, there are strengths to being a woman, being a man, whatever, Mm -hmm. but there when when you're in a leadership position as a woman especially overseeing children which mm-hmm. not trying to play into the stereotype of women sure. needing to oversee children but there is and there is in many ways sure. an ad- advantage i guess you would be able sure. to say um but one thing i i do want to talk about and i think this mostly pertains to teachers um is kind of a broader issue with uh, teachers leaving the profession mm-hmm. and that's something that I think we've seen mm-hmm. more so really I guess it's become a little more um, highlighted since the mm-hmm. pandemic mm-hmm. but once again I pull up some statistics mm-hmm. um, and it says that typically about eight percent of teachers leave the profession every year sure. and that we have seen in the past few years a higher volume of teachers leaving so mm-hmm. what is in your opinion you don't even have to say it as the upcoming principal, mm-hmm. but as an educator, what do you think can be done to provide teachers with a better working environment, mm-hmm. maybe a more supportive working mm-hmm. environment to where they don't feel as if they have to leave? Sure. Um, I think this is a, um, a situation that everyone, not only in the state of Mississippi, but across the country will deal with if they aren't already dealing with, it's going to be a teacher shortage. Right. Um, not a lot of people are going into the profession. Um, there's a lot of things that play into that. Um, pay, um, teaching is not an easy job. Uh, it definitely has to be something that you felt, feel led and called to do. Um, I think for me, I do believe that providing teachers with the resources that they need Um, providing them with the support and equipping them with uh, professional development and um, constantly allowing them an ability to grow in the profession helps with retention and retaining teachers. Um, I appreciate the fact that our district has so many resources and community support 
Um, there's AEE, there's Create, there's the Toyota Wellsprings. There, there are numerous um, resources and community advocates that support our teachers in a way that um, other districts may not have. So I feel like all of those things combined with providing teachers what they need and the ability to do their job um, helps us retain teachers here in Tupelo. But I, the the bottom line is, is um, as, as a building level leader, you better take care of your people. And if something just so happens that I'm not sitting in the chair uh, as Tupelo principal for a little while, the school will still run. Everybody can still be successful. The kids can still learn and grow. But if our teachers don't show up, we can't have school. Have, right. So anybody that asks me, I will tell you, they'll say, what is my top priority as a building level principal? It will always be the teachers. They are my top priority, making sure they have what they need, making sure they are capable to do the job and do it to the expectation um, that we need for students to be successful. But in turn, I ask them to make students their top priority. So I think just taking care of people um, and understanding the times that we live in, it's a stressful time, especially following a medical pandemic. And we all need each other. Right. So providing those opportunities for us, I want teachers to give me everything they got at school, but I also want them to take care of themselves as individuals. Yes. Um, I want them to take care of their mental health and their physical health and to make sure that they are in a good space so that they can come and be beneficial for right. us during the school day. And I think a lot of people that don't, you know, maybe they don't have family members that are educators or they... Mm -hmm they have no experience with education. They don't realize that teachers have families, mm -hmm. that they have children sure. that they're overseeing at home too. Mm -hmm. And just thinking back to my upbringing, like I said, both of my parents were public school educators. The amount of energy that they would have to mm -hmm. give to their students during the day would oftentimes lead, leave them with very little sure. energy when sure. they came home. And I don't know how my parents did it with yeah. three kids and then overseeing classrooms mm -hmm. of their own. But uh, one thing that I think they did struggle with was a lack of appreciation for what they were doing. Mm -hmm. And I think that that more or less came from people that didn't understand sure. education. Sure. And were so quick to criticize mm -hmm. and so quick to call out, well, you did this wrong mm -hmm. to my child or you didn't do this right. Sure. When... There's so much more that goes into it. Mm -hmm. And there's just that, I think, that general lack of appreciation for teachers. But with this movement that we're seeing, you know, which is in many ways negatively affecting our public schools with teachers leaving because they, they mm -hmm. feel that lack of appreciation, mm -hmm. I think more people are understanding, oh, my sure. gosh, this is what they're doing every right. day. That, right. You know, th this is a huge job, and, and it's a very uh, taxing job mm -hmm. for many but um, another thing I think, then, and this could you might have the same answer to mm -hmm. this this question. But what do you think is the biggest issue facing public education as a whole? And it can be Mississippi. It can be you know any any way you would like to mm -hmm. kind of oversee that. Well, I do think um, going back to the um, going back to the topic that we just discussed about teacher and teacher retention and the burnout of educators, if I've learned nothing else in this nearly 20 years 
of being in public education, I have learned that you have to have a balance. And finding that balance sometimes is tricky because teachers really seek to want to be the very best and give their kids the very best. Well, in doing that, sometimes it spills over into after hours from, from the time school closes and kids are bused home or, or taken home. Some teachers are still there working and trying to prep and trying to get ready. You add those, the stress of, of that, the day's work, you add in that state testing and accountability and some of the stressors that it unintentionally causes. Um, you add a different dynamic of students and from all various forces of background, some have all of their needs met. Some come to school and not all of their needs are met and in turn um, have, they struggle with the education process as a whole. When you add all of those things in, some teachers are not only there to teach academics, but they're counseling. They are serving as a mentor. They are trying to help students um, mold through and figure out um, themselves and how they're maneuvering through life and to get ready for um, post-secondary. So teachers have a big job. I, I mean, like, it's it's a really big job, and it's um, I'm hopeful that with a little more understanding, with allowing people to see exactly what teachers do on a day-to-day -day basis will help uh, many understand what a critical job this is. And at Tupelo, you know, I tell my staff, we're not necessarily here just for the sake of educating a child we are family tree changers we want to be the change agent for every single student that steps foot on our campus that not only changes their lives but everybody that's attached to them right mm -hmm. right it's it, it that is so true mm -hmm. um thinking about you know my I'm thinking my dad started teaching and I think if he hears this he he might be mad at me for exposing him but <laughs> 1980 mm -hmm. and so thinking about he he has former students sure. who are now grandparents, mm -hmm. you know, it's, mm -hmm. which is kind of crazy mm -hmm. to think about. Uh, but, you know, you never know that. I guess that one teacher, I can think sure. of that one teacher in my life or that one educator in my life that kind of gave me a fresh perspective, gave yeah. me a new perspective. And even though it might seem small at the time, it really does change right. the way you think about things. It can change your life. Yeah. Well, I, I can speak personally for myself, Brooke. I grew up in Shannon, Mississippi in a uh, what started out as a two-bedroom house. I have two older brothers and an older sister. There were four of us. My mom and dad worked factory jobs, minimum wage jobs. They were hard workers. But I can be honest and say there were times when ends just didn't meet. Enough was right. not enough. There was never um, – Times were hard. Right. <laughs> and there were a lot of times, Brooke, when that two-bedroom house got really small. But my parents were the type that believed in education. They believed in supporting our teachers. They allowed our teachers access to educate us. And they taught us to have respect for what they do. And they kept telling us if we went to school, if we valued the beliefs that they taught us, if we did our best then we could have a better life. That was their message. They just kept saying, if you just go to school, if you do what you're supposed to. And I can, I can speak from 
experience that my parents didn't have not one dime saved up for college and all four of us went in our college grads. Wow. That not only changed our lives, when my oldest brother, who was 10 years older than I am, when he finally got to college, he went on a basketball scholarship. So athletics was a big thing to help us get there. But when he was able to go, then my next brother, it wasn't a if you could go, it was where you could go and how you could maintain it. By the time it got to me and my sister, it wasn't a if we were going to college, we were going. It was where. Where right. are we going? And and what are we going to choose to do? And and how are we going to enjoy college life? For my children now, it's the, there's an expectation. There's an expectation, right. You know? And whether it be that they go to college or they go right out of high school and, and, and go to a skills-based or career cat, regardless of what they do, there is an expectation that right. we can. Right. And all of that changed because of education and teachers. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's a, it is a, that's really just, that gives you chills to think mm-hmm. about. It is a chain reaction. That's right. And it is one teacher that can, and I'm, I'm thankful that I grew up with teachers mm-hmm. because I know, you know, and not only were my parents teachers, my grandmother was a teacher, my mm-hmm. grandfather was a teacher, my aunts, they're all teachers, right. you know, but understanding that education can set you free from really most situations in life. Mm-hmm. Um, if you allow it to. Right. And it's, it's public education is so valuable Mm -hmm. because it in, in, you know, the United States is so unique in that we offer free education from the time you're five until you're 18. And most other countries, you don't have that option. Right. And it's this kind of idea that if you take the initiative, if you Mm -hmm. choose to pursue that education, Mm -hmm. you will reach. Sure new heights. Sure. It doesn't matter where you're from. Right. And that's, that's one of the goals. If I can say anything that I'm hopeful for when I complete my tenure, whenever that is at Tupelo high school, I want us to be able to say that every kid, all 2000 of them that come through our campus, when they leave and are ready to enter into the community, it, whatever their desires are, I want them to be ready. If they desire to go to an Ivy League school, I want them prepared. If they desire to go to community college or to one of the local universities, I want them to be ready. Right. Not only to just go and enter college, I want them to be able to finish. Right. If they desire to go into the workforce, I want them to be prepared that when they leave Tupelo High School, they can walk into a job with a skill-based um, experience and qualifications that not only are they applying for the job, but they're sought after. I want people to come to Tupelo High School and get our students and say, these kids have been well-trained in the career and technical program, and we want them to be on our workforce. Right. I want them to be ready because, in turn, I want them to come back to Tupelo and become active citizens for our community. And it creates this tradition of, you know, raising your family in Tupelo. Then your children are... They are, they're mm-hmm. not only growing up with mm-hmm. a product of the Tupelo public school system, but right. they are becoming their own product you That's know, right. on their own terms. I want them to have buy-in to, ter- to, write, to turn around and pour right back into our community, in our workforce, and into our schools. Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And we talked about this earlier, too, but I, don't, I think a lot of people, and I grew up with an awesome public school mm-hmm. education and so many opportunities, but I think in Tupelo and even where I'm from, the community oftentimes 
through no fault of their own, takes advantage of the idea that we have so many opportunities, mm-hmm. especially when you get to high school, whether mm-hmm. you want to pursue, you know, the arts or mm-hmm. athletics or a vocation. Mm-hmm. Whereas in other parts of the state, you don't have that option. Right. And Tupelo is blessed right. in many ways to have, you know, we have band, we have theater, we have we show do. choir, we have sports. We Anything do. you can think of, they have. Mm-hmm. And in my experience, those experiences mm-hmm. were more about maybe just as valuable but in my mind they were more valuable right than the diploma that I received yeah. on stage at graduation and that's the goal the goal is to make sure that we have something for everyone we have visual arts we have performing arts we have um, athletics and our athletic teams are some of the best in the state um, we've won numerous all sports awards and that speaks highly of our athletic department and our coaches and the time and energy that they are putting into our programs to not only build athletes, but to build scholar athletes. We want our student athletes to be some of the leaders on our campus. Um, but we also have uh, many other things and our career and technical program is one of the best in the state. And, and even though we have all of these things, we have guitar classes, we have keyboarding, we have um, scholars, robotics and engineering clubs, um, and they are competing at mm-hmm. a very high level and are being successful. So we're even looking to branch out and open up to um, some of the newer initiatives like uh, gaming and mm-hmm. software and uh, software building and things like that that are going to provide students a good experience for jobs that hadn't even been created yet. So we are constantly looking at expanding and bringing in access for our students that they can be prepared when they leave high school. And one thing I've been extremely impressed with at Tupelo High School is the broadcast Mm -hmm. program, Mm -hmm. which I have a, I teach piano and my senior piano student who just graduated Mm -hmm. is a part of that program. And seeing her develop through that program, even just as a bystander Mm -hmm. in her life. Mm -hmm. I believe that she has learned many of the skills that I learned my senior year of college with the wonderful Southern Miss broadcasting Uh degree that I did get. And then I enjoyed and was an amazing experience. But she, as a senior Mm -hmm. in high school, has learned many of those skills that I acquired only as a 22, you know, after many years of college as 22 years old. It's amazing what our broadcast um, and our journalism students are getting to experience and the, the on the hands-on job skills that they're learning that, um, and we have industry here that could utilize them. Yes. So I'm excited about that. Um, And they have been recognized and they are getting awards statewide, nationally. And it's amazing. It's incredible. So I'm excited to share with the community all of the good things that we are doing at the high school and just in the district all together. Right. Mm -hmm. And it does seem to start at such a young age Mm -hmm. with Tupelo, which is really impressive because those, those skills and those, you know, talents develop way before you enter ninth grade. Mm -hmm. And it's really impressive to see, but just switching gears a little Mm -hmm. bit, I, you know, your experience, you said 20 years Mm -hmm. of experience. Can you identify a moment in your career that was maybe life changing where you saw that light bulb go off where mm-hmm. you had that experience that reassured you it can be funny it can be sentimental mm-hmm. but that reassured you that you were exactly where you needed to be well um I can think of several and and the um 
the thing about education is, Brooke, you have to sometimes, gratification doesn't come instantly sometimes. You have to wait, and it may show up three or four years later. I can think of a student in particular that was struggling as a high school student. Um, attendance was low, just did not feel like school was um, beneficial, important, wasn't going to lead anywhere. Um, it came from a family where uh, finishing high school was not necessarily, this student would have been the first right. to graduate high school in the family. So the support wasn't necessarily um, as as great as it could have been, and the student just struggled. And I remember pouring in time after time and energy to say, we've got to get this done. You can do this. There are options. You know, you, you don't, this could be life-changing for you and for your family. Let's stay with it. Um, there are times when I went to this student's house and I sat on the sofa with him and his mom and we both pleaded, we both did what we could do to get the student to school. Well, needless to say, the student finished um, and I kind of lost touch for about a year after graduation or so. And about two years after that, I ran up on it and you would have, you would have, you, you, it was, I was amazed at the changes. He had left school, decided to go into the military, had moved up in rank in the military and had all these accolades and had done all this achievement. And that right there was enough to say, I'm in the right profession. I'm mm -hmm. doing the work that I was called to do. And like I said, sometimes your gratification and, and, um, your feeling of worth doesn't come instantly. It may be years down the road, right. but if we can continue to know that what we're doing as educators is important and it's beneficial to growing the next, the future leaders and community members of Tupelo, then it's worth doing every day. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that's really inspiring to hear, mm -hmm. you know, and like you said, and that, I think that goes for everybody beyond teaching, beyond education is sometimes those moments, those mm -hmm. aha moments don't, yeah. don't come instantly, especially right. with education that, you know, it's a children are in school for, you know, 12, mm -hmm. 13 years. Mm -hmm. And it's a, you know, it accumulates over time, mm -hmm. the impact that teachers have on them. Sure. But for you, so, you know, you've spoken to mm -hmm. how you've been able to impact people's lives and influence them, mm -hmm. but who was your inspiration? Who was your role model growing up? And maybe even it could be a childhood role model or, you know, who kind of inspired you to pursue education? Well, of course, my mom was one of my role models because she was, she always displayed strength and courage um, she always felt like there wasn't anything she couldn't accomplish, even if even if times were hard and she didn't necessarily have all the resources. So, she, of course, she was one of my role models. But I think professionally, um, Carrie Ball Williamson was a big role model of mine. She was probably one of the first um, female, African-American females that I met that was working a career and was um, very independent and uh, intelligent and smart, and she was giving back to the community. My very first time meeting her, I went to a basketball camp 
in Pon- at Pontotoc High School where she was the coach. And I was in the third grade. And I remember thinking, when I grow up, I want to be just like her. Right. You know, I want to coach and I want to teach and I want to help kids just like she was helping me. And um, so over the years, it just worked out that I end up being able to play for her um, my first two years of college. And I can honestly say she had a very big impact on the woman I am today, my mm. attitude, my um, demeanor, um, my wit. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of that comes from having watched her right. and admired her. And you never know what who you never know who's watching. Sure. You never know who's looking mm-hmm. and who is taking from you something that they will use for the rest of their life. Right. And that can happen in one moment. Mm-hmm. I've seen it happen, you know, through my parents impacting people's lives. Mm-hmm. And I have seen it happen with my piano students. Mm-hmm. And even their thirty minute a week, you yeah. know, sessions, you never know what they will take from you for good or for bad Mm -hmm. that will help them or hurt them throughout the rest of their life. And that's, of course, you have been helpful for so many students. And I hope so. That's the motivation of mine is that I want to, I want other students to look at my situation, to hear my story, to see how I work every day and know that if she can do it, so can I. Right. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here and thank you for imparting your wisdom on us. We're really excited for you to take on this role and especially because this podcast is centered around women Mm -hmm. for you as a woman to assume the role of leading the largest Mm -hmm. public school in the state of Mississippi right and it's pretty incredible to think about Uh, and I don't I can't I can't see it happening anywhere but Tupelo Mm -hmm. I mean I can see it happening in other places Mm -hmm. but of course it's going to happen in Tupelo because Tupelo is conducive to that that's right to that kind of success that's right we're just thrilled for you, and I can't wait to see see you assume this role mm-hmm. and and take on the world. Well, I know I you're gonna I know you're gonna change. The, you've already changed the world, but I know you're gonna change the world even more. Well, in this I role. appreciate your time, Brooke, and I am very excited about the upcoming school year. We have hit the ground running, and just stay tuned. Yeah, I do believe that um, we're gonna make some big differences, and you'll be able to see and celebrate the whole city of Tupelo. Will. Well, we are so excited for you and proud of you. And just like Dr. Thomas said, stay tuned. Mm -hmm. We are finishing out this episode of From Her Point of View. But of course, we will be back next month with another very influential, powerful female role model for the Northeast Mississippi community. So thanks for listening.